Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, White Sox fans, it's Brett Valentini here, lucky enough to host, once again, for the 13th time, it's Southside Sox Down on the Farm, our podcast that is devoted, well, almost exclusively to talking about the White Sox farm system, and our almost exclusive farm writer is Darren Black, <laughs> we pretty much can't ever get him to quit, we say, Darren, you need a break, take a day off, I said, nope, nope, there's games to watch, there's yep. prospects that you'll never maybe hear of that I need to dig into, and and, and think yeah. about and analyze um so as much believe me i know all of you at home are like man darren black again they're working him <laughs> to death but hey you know i have, i'm contractually I, listen vox insists because you know vox does care about yeah, the well-being yeah. of all of us so they insist man <laughs> give this guy a blow nope nope he's just back at it so uh thanks for hopping on again pretty much almost 13 for 13 uh darren thanks for joining me again Mm-hmm. Yeah, always glad to be here. Not on a Monday, but pretty close. Yes. And listeners, dear readers, occasional viewers, let me just tell you, we have we have uh, sped up number 13. Not that you haven't heard enough podcasts from Southside Sox over the course of last week, <laughs> but anticipating an off day for Monday, we've actually completely thrown an absolute wrench in the system. Darren's working on a nightly update a monthly update, a weekly update. Maybe he's got something else going on in his life. I'm, okay, let's just pretend he does, like one other thing going on. He has to eat a little bit of sleep, and now we're even pushing up a podcast just so we can provide you the podcast content. First thing in the morning on a Monday, starting your work off, work week off with a hatted Darren Black rocking it for you. So Darren, I guess to lead yep. off, I want to talk about, we just had the trade deadline pass, of course, and uh, we had frequent conversations during that trade deadline. So 
Thanks for also hopping on for that. Uh, I want to talk <laughs> about all uh, the bevy of prospects the White Sox uh, acquired at the trade deadline. Oh, wait, Darren, hold on, wait. We didn't acquire any prospects at the deadline. We're, we're a real team. The Darren, rebuild is over. The rebuild is over. Celebrate. There were no prospects. Okay. Whew. Well, this sort of screws the whole um, show up, Darren. I don't really know where to go with this. I guess maybe we'll talk about the guys, the prospects we traded away. Yeah. Huh. Uh, okay. Interesting, Let's... interesting theme. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't feel right. And I don't even know if we're going to be able to release this podcast because it's just, it's been four years of just doing that other kind. So how can we do this kind? Yeah. It's just, it doesn't feel right, Darren. I don't think this is actually going to actually get to print, but let's just pretend, uh, humor me here. Uh, let's talk, I guess, maybe from most regarded to, to, to least. I think they traded away um, four guys. Uh, Nick Madrigal, of course, the headliner in the Craig uh, Kimbrell trade going uh-huh. to the Cubs. I'm a little bit shocked that that was their choice. Um but I guess they look at Nick being young enough and still considering him sort of like top hundred prospect quality. And uh, what, what's their thinking and, and uh, how will this or will this hurt the White Sox? Yeah, sure. So on the Cubs thinking, I'm sure they are going from, they're trying to go from a team that was pretty, um, I don't even want to say three true outcome because Javier Baez was not, he was like a one true outcome kind of a player. <laughs> Uh, or I guess two, because he did strike out a ton. But he they're just trying to find, because now what I'm guessing is going to be their middle infield is going to be uh, Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal. Like, basically two, like, scrappy ball players that probably aren't going to hit a ton of balls out. Um, like, maybe when the wind's doing its thing over in Wrigley and blowing out, like, maybe Nick Madrigal will hit it over the Ivy. But um, what they are hoping they're going to get is whatever defense that was highly regarded out of uh, college and in the minors. Um, I know some people are like, well, he was only good in, uh, with defense in college. Like, no, he had a, a, a gold glove from the minors before he came up. So whatever defense, defensive issues he had, uh, it seems like it was purely major league problems. I don't know if he just wasn't ready for the stage, which wouldn't make sense because he was in the college world series frequently, but he was just, it was weird, but what they're getting is a guy that's going to bat like 300 every year. Um, if he he's not going to strike out if ever, if at all, which is probably what they're looking for more a more balanced lineup than what they had previously. Um, but that's I mean that's kind of the guy they're getting. He's not going to play again this year, obviously, because he's hurt. Um, so hopefully he's back and healthy next year. Uh, and then Cody Hoyer, I'm sure they're hoping that he's a closer. Because when he was coming up through the system, uh, he and Aaron Bummer, Tyler Johnson, Zach Birdie were all being talked about as potential closers. Um, obviously, none of them are for the Sox. They now have two closers that are none of those guys, <laughs> which is completely fine with me. Not that anything's wrong with Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. That's just how baseball works. you got to get the free agency to plug the holes that you weren't expecting. Um, but Hoyer... Uh, obviously he had his issues this year. He started out getting really unlucky and then he just started throwing and not really walking people. And then he started getting lucky and then just walking a ton of people. So he's just had a really weird season. Um, I like both of those guys. I think both of those guys are going to be great and critical pieces for their next playoff run. Whenever that starts uh, 23, 24, 25, whenever uh, that starts. Um, but Sox gave up two really good players to get a guy to win now. So, 
all fine with it. So from what you're saying, I think uh, if I'm going to take the temperature of what you said, it seems like you are uh, falling a little bit more on the conservative side than an average White Sox fan who, who has almost no problem with this deal. And I'm not saying you do, but you, you still see a, you have a real optimistic take on both of the players. So in a sense, this, this is set up to be a win-win trade for, for both teams. Yeah. So I kind of, I've, any of the major trades so far, the White Sox have made, even including the rebuild, I, I view most of them as win-wins. Um, you could probably argue the Yankees won, didn't really matter uh, with, uh, like, like like Rutherford, Tommy Kane, Lee, Todd Frazier uh, going there. But, I mean, Boston, the Sox got two fantastic pieces, and Chris Sale uh, closed out the World Series win. Um, Adam Eaton went to the Na- Nationals, and we got Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, Dane Dunning. Um, obviously, Giolito is fantastic. Lopez is, I mean, I guess he's looking pretty nice right now. We'll see how long that lasts. And then Dane Dunning, um uh, helps you get another piece for the team right now. So it's just, I, and then they, and then the nationals want a title. So though any of these things kind of work themselves out, it seems like so far socks are giving away years controllability uh, to go and win this year and then run it back with Craig Grimble next year. I think it's a fantastic deal for everybody involved. Boy, there's a lot of unity and harmony. I think you're just a little punch drunk there, but that's okay. That's just yeah. me. It's just because I know you. It's because we're close. Uh, okay. <laughs> I got to follow up on one thing, and then we're going to still stick with the Cubs a little bit here. Okay. Because um, I meant to uh, slow you down here. Uh, okay. Uh, Javier Baez is a three-outcome player. Let me see if I got this right. Strikeouts, uh, no-look tags, and ham- hamming it up, walking to first base. Do I have uh, – am I close? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't. What I remember, I think it's the athletic that does baseball player surveys. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be rated as the most overrated soon because it's usually Bryce Harper, and and like it doesn't deserve to be Bryce Harper. He's usually really good. Um, but it deserves to be Javier Baez. How about that? He's a baseball player. I like that MLB. Um, you know, when they send out their clips and stuff, I, I like how they they talk about the concept of a no look tag as if that's that's like a like a like a like a special thing i mean a lot of tags are no look tags especially when you you receive the ball like four inches from the player you're tagging i mean yeah i I hate to say it all the time i don't have your scouting (laughs) report any longer well it's not handy it's not in front of me um i can i can (laughs) speak to mine darren and i think both of us might be able to execute no look tags not on a major league field i'm not saying that i'm as good as javier baez of course not but it's sort of like called a tag, but anyway. All right, uh, enough Javier uh, Baez. Yeah. I hope we never talk about people, him again. Yeah, a lot of middle infielders know how to tag base runners <laughs> is, what, is what my takeaway is. <laughs> Some are obviously better than others, but they all uh, know how to do it. <laughs> there's one guy that went to the Cubs that we haven't talked about yet because he was in the other trade for Ryan Tapera, and that is Bailey mm-hmm. Horn. Now we've heard from James Fox that part of the reason why that seemed like sort of a low price for Tapera uh, was because the Cubs wanted to stay sort of in the good graces with Tapera. They want him back. They'd like to sign him back for next year, perhaps, or at least have a chance of it. So keeping him in Chicago and sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think as James said, doing him a solid. Um, but obviously at the same time, if there was a much better offer out there, I don't even think the Cubs are crazy enough and, and so desirous of such yeah. players, wink, wink, that 
uh, they would say, oh, well, forget it. We're just going to, you know, we're just going to make Ryan Tepera happy. So um, give me an idea of, of how you see Bailey Horn, you know, just obviously knew the system's got a dozen starts or appearances mm-hmm. under his belt. So that's a small sample size, but you know, what's, what's his, uh, what's his ceiling? Is, is he a guy who, who, who stands a, a reasonable chance of haunting the White Sox anyway? Yeah. So he's, uh, so he was drafted, uh, last season in that, um, in the fifth round in that really weird draft that was only five rounds and he had the, uh, the middle bonus. I think it was the first two round guys and then Bailey Horn, uh, got a $150,000 bonus. Um, and I'm guessing he probably would have been in Kannapolis last season. So he started the year in Kannapolis this season, did really well in Kannapolis. And then once he got up to Winston-Salem, he's really, he struggled. Like his ERA went from 263 to 1309. It's not fantastic. Uh, now, a lot of that was because the first couple games, he was like getting one or two outs and allowing eight, nine runs, which has been fantastic. Um, but I, I think his ceiling, he's a starter right now. Um, but I think a ceiling is probably uh, uh, left-handed reliever in the bullpen. I don't think he's going to stick out there uh, in in the rotation. Uh, he's got a mid to high 90s fastball, uh, fine slider, fine curve. Uh, his command is a huge issue right now, uh, which I'm sure they'll try to fix. Um, but maybe he can just kind of hone in and become a one-two pitch pitcher uh, with a lefty out of the bullpen. Um, that's basically, I don't think any of us are going to be losing sleep over losing Bailey Horner or not combine Nico Horner and Bailey Horner. There, Bailey there you go. Horner. All right. Okay. Um, uh, okay. So then let's, let's just address the one guy who didn't go to the Cubs in trade again, <laughs> another prospect and one that I initially um, was a little bit more aghast to lose. And then I realized, you know, his, Time may have been running short with the White Sox. Anyhow, not quite a Mike Rodolfo situation, but maybe rapidly approaching that. And that's Connor Pilkington going to Cleveland, a guy that it seems like the ceiling is perhaps a back-end starter. And, of course, there's a lot of room below the ceiling there. Um, He's a guy who seemed to maybe be a little bit lackadaisical in his progress until this year. And it seems like he's pretty Mm -hmm. much hit the ground running this year and maybe poised to take a step forward. So again, this seemed like of all the, of the three trades, the most win-win maybe because I just can't acknowledge that the Cubs would get a win-win with the White Sox, (laughs) but it seems like Cleveland got what they needed and the White Sox got a guy uh, for, you know, up to a year and a half or, you know, theoretically longer who can Mm -hmm. fill in and be a reasonable second baseman. Yeah, um, I, I, Connor Pilkington, uh, I, I like him much better than Bailey Horn. I think Pilkington could stay in the starting rotation as a back-end starter. I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be an ace any longer. Uh, his below is ticked up on his fastball, which is a usually good sign. Um, and he was doing phenomenal uh, this year compared to 2019. 2019, he really struggled once he got promoted, uh, kind of like Bailey Horn, I guess. Um, but this season he, well, I, I shouldn't say he's a workhorse because no one's really pitching a ton right now because uh, no one played last season, but he usually goes four or five innings, which is pretty good uh, for these kind of outings this year. Um, he's got a three, four, eight ERA, and then the expected numbers look pretty good along with it. Um, if anybody, if compared to Bailey Horn, I'd be more upset with him, but Cesar Hernandez has got a two-game hitting streak with the White Sox, so. He's already can, beaten expectations. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but he can bunt. 
when he's asked to bunt, he decides to bunt, he actually bunts and he can like do it, which makes bunting much less objectionable. I mean, a big part of the objection to bunting, okay, yeah, giving away an out or whatever, but you you can't even do it. Yeah. Why are you, you know, a a different podcast, Uh, definitely a different podcast. Yeah. Um, Basically, the reason why it was okay that they got rid of them is because they needed it, he needed to be added to the 40 man uh, by December. And there's really, if the Sox don't think he's going to be in the, in any place anywhere near the right. starting rotation, there's really no point. Uh, so might as well just send him over there now. And if Cleveland likes them, they can add him to the 40 man, uh, save him from a rule five. If not, he'll, I'm sure someone will take him with the rule five, like one of the teams that just don't really care about winning whatever year that is. Um, Cause I mean, he's not a terrible arm third round pick 2018 someone's probably going to give him a shot, but the Sox have a glut. So they used him to get another guy that they didn't really have uh, any backup for, for the next couple of years. Yeah. A running theme with the 2021 yeah. White Sox. Uh, <laughs> and I think they're even running out of first baseman to plug in at second base. Although apparently not because Andrew Vaughn, yeah. a different podcast there. Andrew Vaughn played second base. Actually, on purpose, intentionally in a game just a few games ago. Um, I'm going to juggle the order here a little bit because we're just we're coming right off of talking uh, pitchers, which of course we um, we dealt uh, three away, including a couple. Well, at least one, one and a half starters. Um, do we have in the system any uh, starters left? And and I guess the follow up question is: Do we need starters if we seem like? Even without Carlos Rodon next year, the rotation is set five deep. Uh, I guess if you're if you're under the assumption that Kopech is going to be a starter, then then you've got five right there. It's just I don't know with the Jimmy Lambert spot start today. Um, I think a lot of people who want Kopech to be a starter figured that he should have been spot starting today so he can get some innings done. Because if he doesn't get like a decent amount of innings this year, then if he does start next year, they're going to do the same thing where they just kind of leave him on the IL for a long time and like pitch here and there, do some side, do some sides or some bullpens, and then just kind of keep his pitch count low. Um, they're going to have to do the same thing with that next year. Um, I, I'm also not a huge fan with Dallas Keuchel right now. Not that he's doing terrible. It's just if, the trajectory that he's on right now probably doesn't look so great. Another year older, lost and stuff. Um, but after that, it's Lambert and Stever. I'm assuming Lopez won't be on the team. Um, so maybe they could sign just like a later uh, back-end guy. Um, but I, they're still pretty set. It's just uh, they don't have a fifth guy yet, which is probably a good problem to have that you have at least the top four set and then maybe Kopech fits in there, but it's not set yet. Yeah. The White Sox don't seem to be good at um, this year. They didn't even really try to do that veteran back end guy, which I guess is better than getting a guy like Gio Gonzalez or some of the others. Uh, yeah. Urban Santana. Oh my God. Urban Santana. Uh-huh. Uh, they've been sort of fun. bad at it lately. So I'm not really sure what I want them to do. It strikes me, Darren, that even if you do feel a need to, it's, it does seem like, Kopech is on a, a track this year where unless it's really like crunch time playoffs, you just don't see him getting a bunch of innings and really starting. I, th- yeah. I think he's sort of already sort of so far into the role that he can't really shift. And what that says for next year, what's the, what's the worst case? He gets 
the fifth start, maybe every other turn. And then every other turn is maybe it is a bullpen game or you just rely on the rainouts that always come. Uh, it doesn't seem crazy that he can, you know, because of this year, you know, I mean, yeah, you're still going to have to limit him, but I don't know if it needs to be so disruptive as he has to have a mystery hamstring ailment for two months so that, you know, like he's preserved. I guess they can still do that, but of course, yeah, yeah you got two months of a fifth starter you got to find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, maybe. I guess, I guess I'm also, I, I'm just thinking of this now. I am forgetting that Crochet is kind of in that mold. I know they brought him up really quickly and everyone was like, oh, he's just going to go the Chris Sale route. And I assumed he was going to start this season, um, but obviously he's not. So he could also do the jump there. Yeah. Um, I'm not expecting that as much because he has a, a tendency to just, if he's doing poorly for a couple batters, to really lose himself for an entire inning that someone else has to save him. But um, I can see him being stretched out next year as well. So they, they have options. Um, but I think most people would rather a free agent signing to kind of just settle everything down. There's got to be a poster somewhere. Most people would like a, and there's a free agent is in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't count on it. Don't hold your breath, Darren. So let's go back <laughs> in the fifth and we're going to just have to pray every other start. Um, okay. Let's take a quick break. Cause we got more stuff to talk about. Just sort of want to cover those starters and make my little snappy organizational comment about the fact they got no starters, but they don't. I mean, they, 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 they got guys and you know, then there's a second wave. We haven't even referred to them, but guys like Matthew Thompson had a great uh, start last night. So hey, that's promising. You know, hopefully you think at least one of those guys is going to move forward and be a strong performer yeah, in Birmingham as soon as uh, next year, but let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be back to sort of wind up our farm report, a little bit more of a grab bag type of stuff with Darren Black. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, White Sox fans, we are back. It is Southside Sox on the farm. Podcast number 13, Darren Black once again with me, taking time out. I, well, he's getting the carpal tunnel is starting to kick in, so it's good he's getting this break. You see, him, he's not feverishly typing, so this is he's probably icing actually, uh, because he's got to get right back to it. He's got a uh, he's got a nightly update, he's got the weekly update, he's got a monthly update, and you know, like work tomorrow and stuff. So, yeah, okay, uh, I will try to let you, uh, uh I'll try to bump you soon here, Darren, but let's jump into the AAA uh, boondoggle we got going on with Mike Rodolfo. We got Jake Berger. We're going to call um, Gavin Sheets sort of a bridge guy, even though he's on the White Sox for the time being and mm-hmm. isn't necessarily going to get sent down when Luis Robert comes back or if they decide to call Jake Miam up. Um but let's talk uh, Mike Rodolfo first. He pretty much, we've, we've, we've referred to him to Tommy Barbie's chagrin uh, time and time again as a guy who's just not going to be with the White Sox next year. What's the base, best case scenario for the White Sox with Mike, or assuming there's not injuries that create a, an opening for him? 
uh, in the majors next year. Is it he he shows well here in the second half of the season enough to give a rebuilding team reason to say, hey, we'll give you we'll give you something for Mike Rodolfo and maybe something even somewhat useful. Or is that even too much to hope for? Uh, I mean, so I'll rank it as uh, number one is he's just going to be DFA'd uh, once that 40-man crunch comes down. Uh, number two, someone would uh, trade for him. And then number three, he's on the White Sox active 26-man roster. That's probably how I'd rank them. Um, I The reason why he being on the Sox next season is third is because they've got Gavin Sheets kind of solidifying his role as an actual guy that can take some outfield spots. Um, now there could be scenarios where he actually does, uh, Adolfo does uh, make the team just because of like a Yermin Mercedes situation mm-hmm. with injuries, but I'm just going to assume everyone's healthy. And then Mike Adolfo is not on that team. Um, he, so he did pretty well in his first game, but he hasn't done so hot since not that uh, like, I'm going to base his whole entire <laughs> career off of a week uh but he's gonna have to prove it this next month that he can actually do it against uh i, I guess the better prospects are still in double a but the trickier like guys with better curves more crisp curves sliders change-ups are all in triple a like the mike Wrights of the world are all in triple a and he's got to learn how to do that with breaking pitches um i guess everybody does but especially him with his high strikeout rate um and uh, the reason why I'm leaning towards DFA is because you can just kind of wait till he gets out in the open market and a team doesn't have to give up anything to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, maybe something could happen, obviously, if he does really well this next month and someone's like, I want to give this guy a shot, uh, like Baltimore, Detroit, maybe even Kansas City. Cleveland doesn't have any outfielders anymore. So just kind of see where that goes. But I don't really expect them to be on the Sox after – uh, or going into next season. Uh, what does Jake Berger have to do? There seems to be a log jam where, again, he's sort of behind yeah. Gavin Sheets, if only because they're somewhat equivalent right now. Gavin um, swings from the left side, plays a position, quote-unquote plays, but has played it well enough, I guess, right field, plays a position where there's a little bit more realistic. I mean, I don't think we can expect the White Sox are going to sign a right fielder next year either. So, I mean, that's, I guess it is going to be a, a free-for-all, and I think you've even predicted that Gavin Sheets could well be the right fielder now, that he might be the most likely right fielder next year, platoon or otherwise. What does – I mean, short of injury, obviously, um, there's there's no room at third base. It's pretty unrealistic, especially with Cesar Hernandez being on the team, that he's going to be Manning's second base uh, is he just a guy who has to continue to bide his time and look for that opportunity when there is an injury? Uh, is he a guy the White Sox would think to more proactively move with a little more control of him? Um, I mean, I could definitely see him being moved, uh, but because he still has options, I think it'd be better just to kind of keep him there and have him be a quad A guy. Uh, same with Gavin Sheets. I think they're fantastic quad A guys. Uh, just to kind of keep going up and down whenever you need them. Uh, I think right now Berger is basically – so if if Yoan Moncada, God forbid, goes down, knock on wood, uh, I think Berger comes up, he's that guy. Uh, but if it's, uh, say, the Hernandez or Leary Garcia go down, then it's Danny Mendick comes up. And it's just kind of playing like Yahtzee or whatever you need to just kind of get where you need to get at the end with whatever guys you got. Because if 
Uh, Mendick is better in the middle infield. Berger has only really played third base, so he had a cameo at second that didn't go so hot uh, in Charlotte, uh, I think about a month ago, uh, when Madrigal went down. Um, and he, I still don't really trust his defense, but if you're going to want a guy to play third base every day, it's going to be Berger yeah. over Danny Mendick or Leary. Even if they might be slightly better defensively, the bat just outweighs both of those guys' bats. Well, and we saw him come up when Yuan had to sit for a few days. He didn't end up being uh, IL, so it wasn't really expressly yeah. a call-up to replace him at third base. But for a couple of games, he did, he did get in right away because Yuan was was banged up yeah. a little bit. And and seeing seeing the LSA Ramirez uh, Ramirez uh, pained expression of every movement that guy makes on the field, uh, he's always just one sneeze away from having to sit out a game. Even though he ends up playing a lot of games, okay. he's the guy who looks most dead, who plays the yeah. most games. You just gotta love your uh, and and Berger isn't a guy who's. I mean, he's gonna be way down. Even though I, the corner infield is is equivalent enough, he's still gonna be way down on the depth chart at first because the white. That's the one place the White Sox have every yeah, single one of their players to play first base. <laughs> so he's just not gonna ever see time at first base unless there there's truly a uh, well, I don't know something horrible. So. Uh, uh, okay. And then, yeah, Sheets, I mean, he's, he's the guy who's like in best position right now and he's actually held his position. He hasn't uh, flamed yeah. out in the majors to get, to get dumped. And obviously being left-handed helps him and fielding the position adequately helps him. Uh, he's gotten mm-hmm. scooted around playing some first base like today, doing some DHing, has done some right field. Imagine could go to left field if, if necessary. Yeah. Um, and so plate yeah. discipline is just better overall. So if you need like a guy to just make contact, then out of, off the bench, you'd prefer to have Sheets. Or get on base, make contact, whatever. Uh, Berger has a tendency to strike out a bit much, and Gavin's got that figured out. Hey, how how cool was it, Darren? I mean, uh, Gavin's a guy you've sort of been on the the bandwagon of for a while, and you've you've spoken to him, you've done stuff with him for Southside Sox, and he's a guy you always uh, think even before the season when we did this very first podcast way 12 podcasts ago with James. Yeah. I think he, I think Gavin was the guy you even cited as being most excited to see what he's going to do in AAA this year. I mean, he, he had a big splash coming up and he's managed to hold his own, you know, in the majors. Uh, it's just sort of fun, you know, personally for you yeah. to be able to sort of see that. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun because one of the things that I've always been saying is just wait till he gets the MLB ball because the power <laughs> just hasn't gone there. And now he's in the majors and had basically a 300 ISO. Not that that's going to stick, but uh, like even, even in his limited appearances, like he's still like the same hitter. He's always got 10% walks, like 18, 90% strikeouts. Uh, obviously the power is different. He's not, his batting average is so high right now, but he's, killing the ball when he hits it like yes money grandal basically right now mm. so it's it's just kind of cool uh my other guy preseason was tyler johnson so thankfully gavin is keeping me keeping me up while tyler wow. johnson is i guess still released but i'm sure yeah. they'll resign him eventually in limbo poor guy what a strange tweet that was be like yeah i'm coming out of surgery and i'm released but hey you know what you can't yeah. you can't hold yeah. up on that especially if there is a, a backdoor dealer hand handshake deal that says listen you don't come back you're welcome back because they've already they basically two years ago did this exact same thing with ryan burr when i thought when i saw he was dfa i was like oh god yeah. he's oh, they're saying goodbye to, yeah. to ryan burr no he's just like he's coming back uh okay let's uh wind up with a couple other things um first of all let's do a little thought exercise here darren it came up a little bit, I think, in, in some of the comment discussions in all of these trades in when addressing uh, Cesar Hernandez, 
who I think is safe to say is in Chicago for two years now. So he will be with the White Sox very likely through the end of 2022, the season that may or may not be. Uh, but let's say he he bounces because he's too expensive or something else happens or or because guys in the organization are pushing him. We have a number of candidates. Second base is not their strongest position in the organization, but there are guys who have distinguished themselves. Jose Rodriguez, who we have speculated would move to third or second, actually has begun playing. I think he's played a game at third. He's played two or three now at second. And I think that's a recent development uh, is a possibility of a guy who might be a, a push mate clawing at the majors by 2023 uh Romy gonzalez is another guy i guess who comes up uh because you could just throw him wherever you want he might be pitching next year um are there uh, i guess if we had to stay internal lord knows (laughs) the activity on the free agent market either they're going to sign a guy who's not going to do well or they're not going to sign anybody at all so let's pretend they do have to fill internally how would you handicap the internal options a couple years from now for second base sure so I think they would look a decent a bit better if like if you just went on MLB pipeline and they did slash second base because they've got a lot of slash second base guys that like they prefer to have other people at a more premium uh, position but they're just not right now at least um, and so obviously Romy Gonzalez is probably the highest level guy that you start with he's in double A he is a fantastic hitter hits homers, um, steals a bit more bases. I don't know if he'll do the same thing in the majors with like major league baseball having normal base running rules. Uh, but he's never had a bad season as a hitter when we all kind of expect a guy that gets drafted and doesn't really get a huge bonus mm. um, to struggle. And he just really hasn't. Um, and then, so if you just uh, go from there, go to uh, Winston-Salem, then, or I guess stay in Birmingham. I forgot about Yolbert yeah. Sanchez. Yolbert Sanchez is out of any of the guys, I'm going to say Gilbert Sanchez is probably the highest probability that he's on the ma- in the majors at all. Um, not that any of the guys pr- won't be, but he just seems like he's got a spot as a, a bench like utility infielder. Right. Um, and so I could definitely see him coming up uh, at some point. Yeah, I mean, even next year uh, if they want to, because I'm assuming Leary won't be on the team. I mean, that's a lot to say since he's been there for so long. <laughs> exactly. He might have assuming- some deal. <laughs> I'm assuming he won't. Um, and then probably, and, and then keep going down because once you're at like a certain level, you kind of just assume that they would like Lenyon Sosa is in Winston-Salem. So I'm assuming he'll get a shot. Um, like once he goes up before Jose Rodriguez or Brian Ramos, which we'll talk about later, but Lenyon Sosa is another contact guy. Uh, he strikes out a lot more than Yolbert Sanchez and doesn't walk as much, which is, kind of concerning but obviously he's not as highly regarded as a prospect but he's shown a bit more pop this season um he i don't think he's gonna make the majors in any way but just like listing the guys that could be there mm-hmm. and then canapolis is where you start getting the big names of jose rodriguez and brian ramos um jose rodriguez has been really steady this season like his first so his first few weeks were fantastic and then it kind of teetered out by the end of that first month in May, uh, but he's basically been a slightly above average hitter most of these months, which is fantastic to just kind of be the same guy month after month after month, especially at 20, to just be that consistent. Uh, Brian Ramos has kind of gone down a bit, and he right now he's a third baseman, but he's played a fair amount of second. Um, so Jose Rodriguez, Brian Ramos, probably the two top guys. 
but Yilbert Sanchez, I expect to be there like much quicker and more assuredly. So all that information is good, Darren, but what you're trying to say is because uh, of all the experts we have on our staff, uh, the guy you're looking at right now has been most high on Jose Rodriguez. Maybe yeah. you're trying to say I might know more than everybody. Uh, yes, Brett, okay. my boss, you know, more than everybody. <laughs> Very well said. Let's move on to the final question. Cause it was about to get cut off. Um, we have a little bit of movement in the system and uh, certainly deservedly. So Luis Mieses went down to Kannapolis and basically matched Jose Rodriguez and Brian Ramos swing for swing, maybe was better than better than two of them. Uh, he mm-hmm. really got his footing there. And now he's back where he originally started the season at high A, which again was seen as an aggressive assignment. Uh, Harmon Mendoza, another guy who went with Mies is down. It's not back up, I don't think, but he's also been doing very well at Kannapolis, which is promising. You want to see these guys bounce back. Uh, what would you look for specifically from Mieses here for the rest of the year? To, to sort of show, aside from the easy numbers that a dummy like me can say, oh, well, he hit 300, so he must be doing well. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it a strikeout rate, his walk rate? Uh, what would jump out at you to say, okay, this guy's getting it, and he might even see Birmingham uh, sometime in the next season? Yeah, so it, I mean, I'm always going to default to plate discipline because that's how you really know if a, like a batter seeing anything remotely, uh, like how you should. Um, and basically he improved his strikeout rate by about 10%, uh, probably a bit more, uh, going down from Winston-Salem. Um, and I know I've talked about this before, but you expect whenever you're demoted to just do better. But like that, like 10, 11% uh, in improvement in strikeout rate is just so big that it's something he worked on there, obviously clicked. Um, it's not just he's going against worse pitching. Um, and then... Uh, another thing is just to keep an eye on the line drive rate. Uh, we, you always want it to be near 20% because you do want to hit more fly balls than line drives. Cause that means you're trying to swing for the fence at least. Um, but going down from uh, Winston-Salem to Kannapolis and those. Oh, we have a frozen Darren Black. So I'm going to just pretend like I know what I'm talking about and continue Darren's thought in that, uh, you know, Macy's is a guy who is much more consistently driving the ball the way he needs to be doing. Uh, and, and a big thing, I think what Darren mentioned straight off was that the strikeout rate, I mean, even a high eight aggressive or not, you cannot be striking out at the level that some of these guys do. And Macy's is why he got immediately, uh, well, pretty quickly, uh, demoted to Kannapolis where he could sort of get his bearings, maybe where he should have started in the first place with the White Sox, you know, you got to place guys and without great falls that really throws such a mix. And one of the things I was going to ask uh, Darren as he leaves us and I guess maybe trying to come back. So I'll just continue to tap dance a bit because this is the fun part of the program. This is the, um, what do you call it? This is the telephone portion. Okay. So this is where it all breaks down this is where everything's just lying down, destructed, but uh, you know, the thing I want to still talk about with Darren is where the guys from this draft class end up getting placed uh, and whether or not guys from Kannapolis who by and large have underperformed, uh, certainly the pitching staff, geez, um, do any of these guys end up matriculating to Winston-Salem? Do you just have a log jam at Kannapolis or you keep guys at Arizona who you might've put at Kannapolis just because there hasn't been enough success at the low A level? 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how stuff plays out. I mean, 20 draft choices, they signed them all, and they added another five-plus undrafted. And we've seen, I was talking with Darren before we started, uh, at least three yesterday when I did the minor league update, uh, three professional debuts, all undrafted free agents uh, for the White Sox. Uh, two did well and one did not. So I guess that's a ratio you want. Uh, but yeah, where do you put these guys? Because some some may not play. Even the, even the big guys may, uh, you know, uh, Montgomery, um, Kath, I don't know. Maybe they just get a just wet their beak a little bit uh, because I, in part, maybe there's a little bit of protection, a little bit of fatigue in play. And maybe you just want to give them, so you want to give these guys sort of the training, sort of get their feet under them before they actually have to go under the bright lights or the hot lights in Arizona and perform. But at this point, you've got 20 new guys, 25 new guys coming into the system. And, you know, there, some guys are going to be cut. There are a few promotions. We've already seen some. John Park went from, um, uh, interesting choice, but John Park went from uh, Birmingham to AAA Charlotte uh, into their rotation. Uh, Emilio Vargas, who has been going between the rotation and uh, the bullpen at Birmingham, is now definitely a member. He's maybe, maybe he's the ace of the Birmingham staff. Uh, now that Connor Pilkington's gone, uh He's been terrific all year. What a great find the White Sox made in claiming him last fall. Uh, so it's just going to be interesting to see where, and I think the time is coming now, uh, this next week or so, I think we're going to start to see more than just undrafted free agents starting to get some play. Uh, you're going to have to start to work some of these guys in, uh, obviously most likely at Arizona, but who moves up from Arizona? Who moves back up? A lot of guys went down from Kannapolis from Arizona. Darren Black's coming with, uh, coming back to us now, so we will admit him and we'll see if he has the right password to re-enter the fray uh he's moving so i think yeah uh, yeah he has the password <laughs> yeah. so he's all right i'm on my yeah i'm on my hot spot but you know, back to luis Maeses. he uh so i basically look for plate discipline whenever i can uh and then the batted ball profile and uh for my aces set 20 percent line drives right now which means he's actually getting around on the ball um, and he's not going away with it as often. Uh, the pull rate's a bit down, but he's centering it more. So that's probably, uh, I guess you can kind of include that because if you're a pull hitter, you're usually pulling it to your side or going straight into center, which is how you usually line up the defense. But that usually means that he's just hitting the ball better since we don't really get exit velocity numbers from the minors. Um, so that's just what I would look for. He went two for four tonight in his first night back, which is fantastic, including a double. Uh, so hopefully he just keeps doing that. And obviously if he does hit 300, I mean, that's a good indicator that he played well, but if he hits 60 ish, then those are other things to look out for. As a anticipating sort of our our final topic here, and I managed to mumble a little bit about it. So uh, pardon (laughs) to the audience to hear all of this said by Darren in a much smarter way than I just did. But first, let me ask you, um, what is the, is there a cap and what is the cap on rosters in the minors? Is it, it, it's, it is higher than, is it 30? Is it, or is there a cap? I think it's, I think it's different for the rookie leagues. Okay. Um, But I think it's around 30. Um, I I have the number 33 in my head, Hmm. but that honestly might just be the Arizona complex league. Um, And then AAA does have an alternate site Hmm. roster, I believe. Because uh, that's how they do the catcher, like catch in Winston Salem, then go straight to Charlotte. Oh right, right, sure, yeah, the stuff that seems head scratching. Okay, well, I mean, it anticipates the question of okay, we got 
20 draft choices all signed. So they're, they're playing or they're in Arizona or maybe they're in Alabama doing their training camp. I'm not sure when that breaks up. Uh, we've got at least five, I think probably more than that, undrafted free agents, some of whom, I think three just yesterday in the update I did, uh, made their debuts with the White Sox. So basically there's a, almost a full team of players joining the system. Some guys are going to uh, retire. Some guys are going to be released. Some guys are going to matriculate upwards like John Park from Birmingham to Charlotte, and, and you'll see some of that movement. But where are you going to put these guys? And is there a name among this draft class or maybe somebody who's in Arizona now who's most intriguing to you who you would tab to be moving up or you just want to put under the microscope in Arizona? Uh, so for guys that usually get, because obviously, again, we say this all the time, but they got rid of a minor league rookie team, so they don't have that kind of barrier there. So the first instance is probably just to look to Canapolis. And if if there's anybody kind of 24 or over, not really a prospect, just kind of there, uh, that's kind of when you get the sense of, okay, they're probably going to be released. Um, now the back end of that is the top two, really top three players that the White Sox took were all high schoolers. So they might not even – really play this season especially uh the pitcher uh but uh if they are going to play it's going to be in the acl they're probably not going to go to canapolis um i mean you can just kind of look at jared kelly and see going from high school to canapolis was clearly not the best idea for him (laughs) but again he was the first round pick and a year removed from anything uh they were placing people that needed to go or they would have been um, this year they have the excuse that they can just kind of leave them there, learn the professional system and all that. Um, but I don't, I don't expect too many guys to go up there, but if you're a college guy that got a decent bonus, I think you're going to be in Kannapolis maybe mid August, late August, just throw a couple innings. So one of, one of the differences we're going to see this year, you'd anticipate because Great Falls is gone and you got to put guys somewhere is much more often, particularly with the young guys and maybe the pitchers in a lot of cases, unless somehow they didn't have much workload in the season they were drafted. You're going to see guys in Arizona working out, getting reps, but maybe playing very little or not at all. And that's going to be something that's going to be a little different than we've seen where that was probably very much an exception in the past. And now that's, that's going to be where you might even have the bulk of your draft class really not playing because you hit the ground running with a regular full season. You give the guys a little bit of a break. Their, their season after their draft season is when it's like, okay, start in Arizona, you hit it good, you're right up to Kannapolis, and that becomes sort of like the normal flow. Because right now it's like being thrown in the yeah. middle. It's just there's too much going on. Yeah, that's kind of how I view it. Um, so for when I'm doing the monthly update, Matthew Thompson and uh, Jared Kelly had – rehab stints in the ACL and where they just kind of Matthew Thompson only pitched one time there in his like three weeks he was there or whatever it was and Jerry Kelly pitched two times so that's just kind of how I view it that's going to be they kind of do some of that already like the catchers don't play all Mm -hmm. six games or whatever they usually it's usually like two two and two basically Um, and I just kind of think that's just gonna how that's gonna go um, especially for this season, maybe next season after everything's a bit more normal um, and they got the roster more figured out with uh, the leftovers from last year that you still need guys to play every day somewhere. Um, but this year is just an odd year. I wouldn't really expect 
the high schoolers to go to Kannapolis. But and and we talk a lot about uh, the need <laughs> the need for perhaps another team, and this experience might help the White Sox one way or the other determine that. Because if it turns out there's just a bunch of guys just like kicking around waiting to take a lunch break because you know all they're doing is is drills and maybe that's not even productive for them then maybe there's an argument to say hey let's field another team to get these right get things get these guys right active it doesn't mean they're gonna have to get like another 25 undrafted free agents they're gonna have to grab a few more undrafted guys but uh you know this this is this is unique they're never gonna have let's say so many guys like standing around in Arizona and maybe that's by design maybe that's what they want but if that doesn't turn out to be productive whether for their careers or just I don't know, for the, for the franchise itself, that could fuel, um, you know, desire for even maybe a second DSL team or uh, certainly uh, a second Arizona team. I guess that's something they got to see how it plays out. Yeah, I would definitely support a second ACL team. Um, I understand the Great Falls getting rid of thing because it's Great Falls, but the second ACL team would be my preference uh, for what they do going forward. That is Darren Black. Our miners, our main miners guy, he does four, three, I don't know. I I don't even know how many days there are in a week anymore, Darren, but uh, three <laughs> updates a week. He does our monthlies, he does our weeklies. And yes, that is him. You can quote him, just like we've quoted him about saying Kannapolis would win the second half title. You quoted him as saying, yes, I would like to cover one more additional game every update that I do uh, <laughs> because I need two Arizona teams. You heard it, White Sox, you heard it. Even the guys who are most taxed by it, are demanding a second Arizona team. Sorry, you're just going to have to do uh, it. Yeah, I take back that statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got something to say to you after we go. <laughs> yeah. Woo, those are they long. play in the afternoon, then okay. That's yeah, right. <laughs> they play in the morning like the DSL, no problem. Yeah, you just fantastic. tap that in while you're like looking at tweets or whatever. But yeah, these are these can be some late nights. So, you know, rest <laughs> in peace, Great Falls, but – Whew, from the carpal tunnel um, standpoint, don't necessarily miss you. Well, thank you for taking what amounts to uh, two different calls and almost an hour out of your very busy evening already, Darren. But thanks for catching up to, us up to speed on uh, the trades all the way down to the ACL. Maybe one day we'll talk about the DSL. I'm not really sure it's necessarily worth it, but there'll be a guy who distinguishes himself enough to get some mention at some point. Uh, and we'll uh, do this, I suppose, again in another week. And this time, maybe I'll call you on Monday. Yep. Yep. I'll be here. I guess I'm here every day, but always Mondays. Okay. And the signal is definitely much better on Monday. So this is all my bad for doing this on Sunday. So, you know, strong, strong signal during the week, work week, not on Sunday where everybody's cooking out. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Darren. Thanks everybody for uh, uh, watching, listening, uh, reading, as always, hope you enjoyed all our trade deadline coverage and you'll have terrific miners coverage uh, anchored by the one, the only Darren Jackson Black, uh, for the rest of the year, he's got no choice. He's got to do it. He's, he might even take on more days. I might give him my days. I might be like, sorry, Terry, you got to do it. I'm no good at it. I don't know anything. I'm no good at it. Well, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll be back with you uh, in a week's time. I think I'll call Darren. It'll be a Monday, so he'll be there. <laughs>